Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey, guys. This is Dr. Santosh, your pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. Happy holidays, all. Your infectious elf on the shelf. Yeah. (laughs) That would be so creepy if you actually... (laughs) He's watching you, and he'll give you polio. (laughs) If you don't clean your room. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's imagine creepy. imagine the elf on the shelf is sitting there in the middle of the night and you just hear a little cough. <coughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd freak me out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see what we can do more if we think about it with infectious self on the shelf. That said, it's the holiday season. Da, 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 da. <laughs> And Dr. J and Santosh, too, have got some great Christmas science for you. (laughs) Oh, save that forever. Oh, my gosh. That has to be our (laughs) annual holiday, Christmas, New Year's, all the the things for Medical stories, what'll you do when (laughs) Journal Club comes to town? Although it's not. <laughs> you got really you started to go into Louis Armstrong for a second. And I I'm not mad at it. I absolutely love it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah. how many low budget theme or no budget themes we have come up with over the last decade. I bet it's a lot. 
It's it, there's quite a few, absolutely, yeah, and and this isn't not just the like the themes that are actually full fledged songs, but also your weird screaming siren irritating thing for the Journal Club. No, not for Journal Club. Sorry, for Around the World in Eighty Plagues. <laughs> oh, there's there's a few time. there's a few in the works that'll be. Uh, <laughs> I'll oh, be stuffing. No. I'll be stuffing your ear stockings with later. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> but this yeah. is this is our true paradoxical non-denominational Christmas special. It doesn't matter who or where you are uh, in the United States. Christmas is a very cultural thing out here. Josh is that I was raised, you know, hundred percent Hindu, and it's just. We're America now. We put up a tree and we give presents, you know. <laughs> and I, I've had that from when I was a little kid. And I'm very thankful that my parents did. So this is really just for the giving the gifts and having fun part of it. I also love the the Hanukkah ornaments for the Christmas trees. I find that to be delightfully, just delightfully charming and inclusive. Oh, uh, I love so it. So yeah. I have gathered a selection of of medical articles some of admittedly dubious power um that all go over various christmas traditions in the u.s and around the world uh and we can talk about some of the studies that have been done about about them and have a little bit of fun um don't take it too seriously grab your milk and cookies and uh let's let's enjoy it let's get into this absolutely yeah so I want you to come up with a list to begin with. When you think of Christmas traditions, um, U.S. or yeah. around the world, what are what are some things that come to mind so I know what studies to pull to talk to you about? Uh, I'll start us off with a fun one. In Spain, I think it's called uh, La Cagón or something like that. It, and I might be completely wrong, but it's a little pooper. It's a it's it's a pooping thing that sits in the the corner of the nativity. I I don't know what to do with that, but uh, <laughs> oh, oh, you think we can't find a Christmas story about poop, my friend? It's uh, oh, sorry, I take it back. I take it back. Cagatillo uh, in in Catalan in Spain, um, the log, the Christmas log uh, that poops nougat. So el el. Kagana literally means the pooper, and he's depicted as a peasant wearing the traditional right. Catalan red cap, the yes, baratina, yes. Yeah. with his trousers down, showing a bare backside, and and defecating. Right. Um, <laughs> so there's there's uh, there's Kagan, and there's also Cagatio, which is the Christmas log that poops nougats. So I don't know what it is with Christmas and pooping in in Catalan in Spain in Spain, but I mean, <laughs> you're fertilizing the earth. Sure. You have the health of body, the peace of mind required to make an activity <laughs> scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can. There's probably other reasons, but uh, yeah, we can we can stretch it absolutely. Yeah. All right, so so let's see. What study can I find that involves poop? Well, I guess we'll open with one of the grosser ones and then bring it above the belt to, to round out. So how about a little story I like to call Sugar and Spice and Everything Butthole? <laughs> oh, so we are talking about 
you know, Kagan and that kind of a thing. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> hey, I asked yeah. you for a tradition. I have a whole file of <laughs> holiday-adjacent medical <laughs> stories. If you overdo the sugar or the spice, you will definitely adversely uh, affect the butthole. So, I, okay, I'm, on, well, I'm, I'm me, with you. This is this is probably one that if, if our one-time co-host, you may have heard uh, last week, Dr. Yes. Ward, our ER physician, would probably be more familiar with than you or I. Okay. Um, but have you ever heard the phrase sugaring the rim in a medical context? Yeah, <laughs> because very typically sugaring the rim is to make, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a margarita. Is that correct? So if if you're making a, a nice uh, alcoholic cocktail, the you you put a little bit of lemon juice or something around the rim of a glass, you dip it into granulated sugar, and that's sugaring the rim. Sure. What okay. do you suppose that might be in a medical context? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll I'll go ahead and say that I I do know some of this stuff is that rimming or the rim will often be used to talk about the uh, the anus, you know, the ring of the anus. So <laughs> god, is is it actual sugar? Like are you putting sugar on a on the on the rectum or the anus or something? Yes. Yes, oh, you are. It's okay. it's anal sugar, which is not sugar that tastes like a butt, but okay. sugar to be placed on the anus. And this is let's see, what's what's the most delightfully wintry way to phrase this? Okay. Um, the chance of a doctor sprinkling sugar on your butt is low, but never okay. zero. <laughs> oh yeah if we're getting into statistical probabilities you're right nothing is a hundred percent nothing is zero percent sure and of course okay. this is for the prolapsed anus oh, which is okay okay go ahead go ahead so a prolapsed anus is when for frankly it could be a wide variety of reasons um, when the inside of your large intestine or colon for one reason or another, becomes swollen and edematous or fluid-filled, and then falls to the outside. So when yeah. the, the rim of your butt turns inside out, it's not pleasant. Yeah. And no. usually, no. usually it's reduced with a finger. But sometimes there's so much fluid that you can't actually push the butt back inside the butthole. Okay, okay. So, and, you know... We often think of, you know, the, the the intestine, you know, as kind of this very thin, hollow tube, right? But our colon, especially, if you were to go into the pathology lab and or or the, you know, you go do an autopsy or something like that, or you take a biopsy, it's quite thick. You have a mucosal layer. You've got a muscular layer in there. You have a media layer that's full of elastic tissue and a nervous layer, which is how you sense, you know, that you're full and that kind of a thing. So that wall, the, the actual wall of the cylinder can become full of fluid, can become inundated with fluid. And number two, for everybody out there wondering, prolapse is a fairly general term um, for, you know, any kind of hollow organ falling out like this. So 
folks out there, you know, you rectal prolapse is what we're talking about today, but you guys may have heard of u- a uterine prolapse before, which can happen um, if the pelvic wall is uh, is weak or the pelvic floor, I should say. So, or even okay. a st- or even a stoma prolapse. So if you have oh, a sure. colost- oh. if you have a colostomy and the uh, tissue through which you poop in the stomach also falls out from that artificially created hole, you can also sugar the rim as well to get it back in. So this is not something that is done routinely, but if you have a fluid-filled or very swollen prolapsed organ, whether it's a stoma or a butthole, um, and you can't reduce it with your fingers, what you do is you can sprinkle some sugar on it, just regular old table sugar, And that osmotically pulls fluid out Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. allows it to reduce enough that you can then push it back in with your fingers, which is a manual reduction technique. And the success rate on this is about 50% with few to no downsides. At worst, all you've done is, you know, make the prolapsed organ slightly less tart. Okay, so uh, this is this is osmotic. So sugar is a very large molecule, and if it's on one side of you know the the tissue, so meaning that it would be the inside of the cylinder, but now it's you know kind of telescoped out. So it's there's going to be a shift of water because there is high osmolarity you know, where the sugar's at and it's lower than within the cells, like the actual cells of the, you know, the intestinal wall. And so the water rushes out in order to equilibrate the concentration. So it goes, you know, down the, up the, down the concentration gradient, um, or I should say up the concentration gradient to quote unquote, dilute the sugar um, so that you have both sides. And so now you've got a ton of water coming out of the intestinal walls and it's not so thick and it's easier to just kind of push back in. That makes a ton of sense. So you have to apply granulated sugar, no substitutes, no Splenda, no no powdered sugar, no baker's sugar, just full on granulated sugar. It has to sit there for about 15 minutes and then you can reattempt the reduction. Now, if you still can't do it, you don't sit there and add more and more sugar. Uh, you then instead contact your surgeon and move for the more aggressive surgical method of reducing. Uh, sure. This comes from a paper, Sucrose as an Aid to Manual Reduction of incarcerated rectal prolapse from the annals, I'm sorry, annals of emergency medicine. <laughs> you know when, because we select where we want to send our, <laughs> where we want to send our papers for review. I'm a hundred percent certain there was at least someone on this paper that was like, I'm not doing this unless we go to an annals of something. It's it's got to have that word in there, or I'm out. <laughs> Did you hear the one about the guy who shoved a bunch of uh, horses up his behind, trying to recreate a nativity scene for oh, Christmas? Horses. Don't worry, his condition is stable. <laughs> oh God, terrible! <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, now that we've started on such a high note, let's see how far we can fall. Yeah, um, okay. What's another Christmas tradition that that you think of? Uh, let's see. We got uh, trimming the tree, and we've got candy canes and giving presents and fruitcake. Um, there's always weight gain to go along with that, of course. Okay. Uh, you know, you've given me a lot of different ones to work with. I think, I think I'm going to leave the candy canes and the fruitcakes aside, given our first sugaring one. Okay. Let's look at, uh, let's look at trimming the tree. Um, you ever thought about whether or not your Christmas tree has any medical uses? Oh, uh, I don't know in terms of like uh, medicinal that kind of a thing if we're talking about herbal medicine what you can make of pine needles or bark or roots or anything like that i don't know so there is some wilderness and field medicine you can do with pine resin that has some antimicrobial properties so if you see a pine tree you can make kind of a, a paste and take the sap and use it to dress wounds until you can get regular care but for those of you who have real trees instead of artificial trees in your home okay um, let me start by giving the disclaimer before attempting to use your christmas tree for medicine food or drinks make sure that you identify it and the species is safe to eat and the tree has not been sprayed with pesticides or chemicals so okay all good things yes specifically tree types like pine fir like the douglas firs or balsam firs and spruce are generally edible uh avoid yew trees which are deadly gotcha yes um so one of the things i always like to do is make a christmas tree tea pine needle tea is very high in vitamin c Mm -hmm. it's a delightful you know local remedy or anecdotal remedy for cold and cough as it is cold and cough season okay yeah and the pine tea helps to loosen mucus and reduce phlegm from those upper respiratory infections runny nose head colds uh it can have a little bit of a citrusy taste you can also use it to kind of steam uh, as a humidifier sort of thing and it's just you put a bunch of fir or pine needles into hot water and you mix okay. it with a little bit of honey and lemon. Um, okay, this is like a tea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, it's high in vitamin C. So, you know, so it's just two cups water, two tablespoons of fresh or dried chopped pine needles as they fall off your tree. Nice. One tablespoon, one tablespoon honey. And just bring mm-hmm. it to a boil, let it sit for an hour, strain out the pine needles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then reheat. We'll, we'll the talk tea. about why that's important in just a second. But yeah. <laughs> and after you've strained out the pine needles, then reheat the tea. Um, and, you know, one to three cups during the onset of a cold will be really nice. And again, it's helpful to stay hydrated. It's not going to heal you faster than any other teas but it's a nice way to get a little of that christmas spirit into you yeah and this is one of these things that we're still struggling with a ton josh we've come through a beautiful era in medicine of bacteriology and even understanding mycology or funguses 
and you know a few eukaryotic pathogens that we're really on top of as well in terms of treatment but we're really still bad at virology specifically at treatment and almost everything that we have for viral infections is aimed at suppressing viruses while we kind of float you through the symptomatic parts and this kind of a thing. So it's turning out more and more that, you know, the chicken soup, the pine tea, the menthol rubs, you know, like Vicks VapoRub and that kind of a thing, all of these comfort care things are really, really important for when you're sick. And so I really love that. I will make a special note with those pine needles, okay? <laughs> you don't want to get those stuck. A, you can definitely cause a problem in the esophagus itself and cause either an obstruction or problem swallowing. It can go stick in there. But for younger kids, uh, especially if they're school-aged, that kind of a thing, you can get that stuck, Josh, in the back of the throat Okay, and actually cause a uh, a, a parapharyngeal or a, uh, a postpharyngeal abscess in the back, which can be very, very tricky and scary to treat. And this happens a lot of the time with fish bones when they get stuck in the back of the throat. But yeah, you you certainly don't want to do that with the little kids. So fairly no. safe, you know. Make sure it's clean and everything. But a hundred percent, you're right. Use a nice strainer, probably even one of those like paper strainers. You don't want them to be, you don't want the holes to be big enough where maybe a needle or so can slip through. Even a cheesecloth works. Oh, cheesecloth is good. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So uh, let's move on to one of uh, what I know is my brother's favorite traditions, the hiding of a pickle in the tree as you are trimming. What? No. Yes, yes. In fact, no. <laughs> this, is a, this is a German tradition. A Christmas pickle, and, and the inspiration for the title of this episode are Christmas Vlasic. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, used to be done with actual pickles, and, and we'll talk about the medical benefits of pickles in a second. Nowadays, Ooh. it's an ornament shaped like a pickle that families treat as a game. On okay, Christmas okay. Eve... On Christmas Eve, parents hide a pickle ornament deep on the tree branches, and the pine needles will camouflage the green pickle, making it especially hard to find. So oh, Christmas sure. okay. morning, the first kid to find the pickle is rewarded. So, so this th- is, it, it's so funny. I, you're, I know you're saying it's a German thing. There's definitely, there are other traditions like on Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras in France and, you know, others where you find a small trinket in something like, you know, cake, something delicious, you know, <laughs> but just very classically with Germany, how this is like, yeah, yeah, let's put something sour in a pine tree and you find it. Whether or not you grew up hunting for Christmas pickles, <laughs> but it is yeah. one of my brother's favorite things to do. Wow. So let's talk about two different uh, pickle-related studies. One okay. for actual pickles. Uh, now, pickle juice contains probiotics, uh, mm-hmm. sources of bacteria that promote a healthy gut, and that comes from cucumbers that have been packed in brine, which is a right. saltwater solution 
allowed to set until bacteria grow and eat a lot of the carbs in the cucumber. So when you eat fermented pickles or drink pickle juice, you're also getting the colonies of bacteria formed during fermentation. And not all pickle juice is made the same way. So if you have a mixture of vinegar and salt, there's no fermentation and that pickle would not have probiotics. Yes, correct. Uh, Interestingly, pickles may make you happier. A study done by the College of William and Mary in Virginia, naturally fermented foods like dill pickles can provide you with a boost of serotonin, which is a chemical responsible for managing our moods. Uh Also, researchers at the USDA's Agricultural Research Service and North Carolina State University found that a health-promoting compound, GABA aminobutyric acid, GABA, or an Mm -hmm, inhibitor transmitter is generated through the fermentation of brined cucumbers and eating foods high in GABA has been shown in multiple studies to have small but statistically significant benefits like reducing blood pressure, reducing anxiety from its inhibitor function, and some small boosts to immunity. Oh, okay. That's really nice. Now, there's been a little bit of a revolution in the past, I'd say, couple of decades, really encouraging fermented foods from the, you know, the expert medical community. A lot, a lot of cultures will say, ah, we've known this forever. And indeed, Josh, pretty much every culture you go to, there will be some sort of fermented food. Uh, We're out here in Los Angeles. The famous one that I can think of is if you go to any Korean restaurant or Korean household, you'll find kimchi, um, which is there. In India, we pickle things like mangoes and lemons with spices as well. And so I, I don't know that those cultures actively knew about the health benefits. They just really liked the, you know, the taste. But it may have also been, you know, oh, we really love how it makes us feel, especially in, you know, wintertime when you're feeling all glum and blue. So that's that's the mood altering of pickles. But the first study and sort of the one that kicked off all of my research for this episode, although it's not strictly holiday themed. Yeah. I recently went to a conference for a hospital medicine update and yeah. learned about a really neat study. And one that is delightfully titled, and you know how I feel about scientists naming things. Sure. Um, the Pickle Juice Intervention for Cirrhotic Cramps Reduction, okay. also known as the Pickles Trial. <laughs> That's a fantastic trial. Absolutely. See, Josh, you, you do complain that doctors and scientists don't know how to name things, but this is pretty good. Every now and again, one comes up with it. <laughs> so okay. here's here's the dill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please tell us the dillio. I, I mean, I don't want to brine about it, but... Yeah. Muscle cramps are pretty common among people with cirrhosis. And obviously, if you're getting frequent cramps, you're going to have a poor quality of life. And there's really not a lot of options when you're a cirrhotic. Uh, yeah, it's... It, 
the the solution to end stage cirrhosis right now is transplant. You need a new liver. It's one of these things, Josh. We can put people on dialysis. We can substitute for their kidneys. We can put people on heart and lung machines to help out with their you know circulation and oxygenation. But we cannot bypass the liver. The number of things that this organ does for us is so myriad and complex that we just can't get by. But all the things that go with it, you you feel tired all the time. You're cramped. You have buildup of bilirubin and ammonia. And so you feel irritable and yucky and kind of flat and depressed. It's It's a bad, bad way to live and die eventually. Not to mention for... Other conditions that experience frequent muscle cramps, we do have, to a lesser degree, some narcotic treatments, muscle relaxants like Robaxin, um, Mm -hmm. Lexeril, uh, things like that. But you really can't give those to a cirrhotic as the liver is the thing responsible for metabolizing those drugs. And when the liver is not functioning at peak efficiency, those normal amounts that we would give can become dangerous. So finding a treatment for muscle cramps in this patient population can be really difficult. So this trial, the Pickles trial, enrolled (laughs) 82 patients with cirrhosis and a history of more than four severe muscle cramps in the previous month. And it's a really recent study. It was done from December 2020 to December 2021. So roughly just under 100 patients over a year. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when you guys are thinking of muscle cramps that like, oh, they they cramp up a bit and oh my gosh. No, no, no. This is debilitating. Okay. This is, you know, it hurts so much that I can't move type of a thing. And it can happen with other, any muscle group really. Um, But, you know, this is not a joke. This is heavy, heavy duty stuff. So patients were then randomized to one-to-one sips of either pickle juice versus <laughs> tap water okay. at the onset of cramps. So as soon as you start feeling one of these severe cramps, you grab you know, the pickle jar and go glug, 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 or you just get some tap water. They yeah. then measured them one month later. So just looking at it, if they had had over four cramps in the previous month, they'll say, okay, let's look at you for the next month. And at 28 days, they wanted to look at the change in cramp severity measured by the visual analog scale for cramps. Go ahead and look that up. Vast vast cramps. V-A-S dash cramps. Let's all all go along with the visual scale and see what it's like. For those of you not able to jump on to uh, a browser window right now, You can think about it a little bit like the faces scale that we have for pain. So being able to read the discomfort of someone by looking at them overall, their body posture, their facial expression, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's think of think of the smiling to sad crying faces that you see and you point to which face is your level of cramp. Um, Yeah, and this is... uh, I actually really love this, Josh, because it's the same as the pain scale. There's a massive amount of subjectivity to this, right? Because what is a horrible cramp to one person may not be for another and vice versa. So 
it's it's important to know how bad that the cramping is for that person, not like some pure objective theoretical scale. It's this is a very personal. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Now, even though this is a randomized, well-done study, keep in mind it's going to be very difficult to study one subjective thing with another subjective thing. So cramps were assessed 10 times over this over this 28-day period using mm-hmm. interactive text messages. So, you know, I'm feeling, and here's exactly why the vast cramps is such a great scale for this, because Santosh, I, the cirrhotic patient, start texting you, the researcher, I'm feeling a cramp, and you send back a string of emojis. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I love it. Yes. Sad face. Sad face. Eggplant. <laughs> Dude, Josh, um, I I know how much you love ancient Egypt. I personally think we're reaching peak civilization when we are moving towards the use of hieroglyphs in our common society. Can't wait. <laughs> we're we're there. You don't have to. <laughs> That's why I said I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so. Secondary outcomes included the proportion of days with cramps less than five, any change in sleep quality, and overall health-related quality of life using a different scale or questionnaire, the EQ5D. Okay. Now, the study actually had really good retention. Of the 82 people they enrolled, 74 of them completed the trial. Ooh, Okay. And these these people ranged in age from 56, give or take 11 years, mm-hmm. uh, about mm-hmm. half male, half female, 54 to 46. Um, okay. About 41% had ascites, which is that collection of fluid you get that makes your body shake like a bowl full of jelly. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not in a jolly way, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it is a sign of more advanced cirrhosis or liver disease and the and the meld score or the model for end-stage liver disease score uh average 11 give or take five points which again pretty high um and a lot of these other patients were still receiving other cramp therapies at baseline so they didn't say stop what you're doing they just said whatever you're doing when you start having cramps add a glass of pickle juice to it okay gotcha So at the completion of the trial, the values for the pickle juice versus the control arm were minus two, minus two and a half points 
uh, with, again, a range of about three. So it could be as low as one, could be as high as five. five imagine an average of two and a half points lower on the pain scale for cramps compared with tap water. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, huge. didn't change the sleep quality. Didn't yeah. change the overall quality of life for these people, but massively yeah. improved. Well, massively. I think a three-point drop on a pain scale is a pretty massive improvement. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That it's Especially if it's happening regularly to you, you know, any anything you can do to not just chip away, but to really decrease, uh, you know, that, that severity for, for every episode, that's important. Yeah. So this study was in the American journal of gastroenterology okay. and it's just, it's really impressive because now we finally have some non adverse event method that we can use to treat cramps again it's not an end-all be-all but when you're feeling that level of pain imagine if i can offer you a home remedy you can just go go out buy a jar of fermented pickles not vinegar style yes not yes. not deli style fermented right. pickles and yes. just drink the juice it may actually provide a noticeable difference or improvement in your pain without having to rely on narcotics that mm -hmm. may pose a risk to you, without having to rely on expensive medications that your insurance may or may not cover wholly. I think that's mm -hmm. worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. The, if you can figure out a good lifestyle change that can affect your health in this way, and and do prevention rather than treatment. Although this one is addressing specific treatment, it's always helpful. Absolutely. No. So I I absolutely love it. And just like you were saying, Josh, the liver does a lot of things for us. One of the things that it does is it breaks down some medications into less uh, active particles that we can pee out or poop out or sometimes sweat out. And if the liver itself is not functioning and you take a medication to try to help with something, but then it just stays in your bloodstream, you can build it up to toxic levels. So pharmaceutically, we don't want to rely on a lot of those same medications. And so, yeah, what's better than, you know, just some probiotics and electrolytes? Damn. Now, again, this is not about <laughs> eating pickled foods because that has mixed benefits. Some studies say they're good. Some studies say they have higher risk of stomach cancer. This is just yeah. the pickle juice. This, yes, In yes. Interestingly, and not holiday related per se, uh, pickle juice is the ancestor of Gatorade. Um, oh, turns yes, out that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. A long, long time ago, in mm -hmm. a state of Florida far, far away. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Co uh, coaches of the sports teams at Miami University were mm -hmm. noticing that when they had their athletes drink pickle juice, and this is not the cirrhotics, this is just regular college athletes who mm -hmm. were getting muscle cramps for a variety <laughs> of training-related reasons, and they sure. would have them drink pickle juice, and it would decrease the cramps. 
except yeah. most of the athletes really did not enjoy drinking pickle juice. So the coach, <laughs> so the coach started Especially, adding. Especially, by the way, you can imagine that like it's a hundred and two degrees outside, <laughs> and you're hot and sweaty, and you'd like something cool and refreshing, and then they're like, "Here, have some brine." <laughs> yeah, in a, in a muggy Florida summer yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a hundred percent the right thing to take in you want something that's liquid full of electrolytes and especially with you know the the other kind of molecules in there complex sugars are important but yeah but it it tastes awful <laughs> so by adding complex sugars and sweeteners over time to the brine uh and a lot of i don't know secret steps along the way yeah this <laughs> This coach ended up realizing he's like, hey, I can make a sports drink to help all my players that doesn't taste like a bunch of fermented brine. And because it was from the University of Miami, he named it for the Gators, which was the team. <laughs> yeah, Florida Gators. Gator Aid. <laughs> That's it. And it took off. And of course, you know, it was bought by different corporations and everything. But And now we're back to pickle juice. So there we are. <laughs> and I'll say the pickle juice, Josh, uh, way better in this case. And I'd still say pickle juice for those athletes because the one problem that the Gatorade did and the way that they made it, you know, a lot more palatable was, I think, to add way too much simple sugar. So that that's the problem with it. Whereas the pickle brine is actually has all the right chemistry with it without that boatload of sugar in there. So the uh, bulk of the study was done at University of Michigan and Ann Arbor. So doctors Tapper, Salim, Baki, and Zhao. Uh, there was one gentleman who was involved, Dr. Vinay Sundaram who was a colleague of mine at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center and a massive pioneer in the field of acute on chronic liver failure and a, a young person actually just born a couple of years before me. So he's in his forties, but he very recently passed away. Um, I think after this publication was received. Um, but uh, yeah, we just I just want to put a shout out because we remember him fondly of being just a brilliant young mind in the field of, of liver disease. So uh, yeah, Dr. Vinay Sundaram, um, one of his last contributions here to science, this wonderful study. So thank you. Moving on to our next holiday tradition, everybody gathers around and it's a time for friends and family and games. And sometimes you'll sit there and play reindeer games, Yeah, <laughs> which I never knew what those actually were. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Like what are the reindeer? like Monopoly? Don't you ever <laughs> <laughs> have you not heard the song? How is <laughs> it, this is the little bit like you you shout it out in the middle. There is an of entire generation. Show. Yes, yes. That just shouted at you. Yeah. Join in any reindeer games like Monopoly. Yeah, like Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there are a lot of different studies that show benefits to playing board games, which. Mm. Frankly, a lot of people only do during the holidays when you have gatherings. Some of us yeah, are yeah. gaming aficionados and we'll yes. play year round. But yes. a couple different ones just worth mentioning. 
Also, Monopoly is a terrible game. There's so many. It, it really is. Yeah. Just... <laughs> and yeah. and you know what? Hot take. Catan's a shitty game too. Oh no! Oh, I said gosh. it. I said it, and I'm not taking it back. John, we're one of the nerdiest podcasts on the interwebs. I we may just have lost like ninety percent of our listenership. Listen, <laughs> listen out there, nerds. Do better. Do better. <laughs> oh no. Not apologizing. Catan is a no, terrible no, game. It creates just as much bad will as Monopoly <laughs> does, but you're wearing fedoras and more hipstery clothes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So clearly there's some strong opinions here. We can work it out later in the post credits. Yeah. <laughs> It's just there's there's so many great games out there. Don't limit yourself. Don't yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Okay. But there are great benefits to playing board games. So a 2019 mm. study shows that playing board and card games regularly can help your mental performance as you grow yeah. older. So researchers at the University of Edinburgh uh, did a whole bunch of tests on folks who routinely reported playing non-digital games. So Hearthstone okay, okay. or Plants vs. Zombies are not cutting it. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Among Us, yeah. Yeah. Also so another at, very divisive, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the study, it comes from the Journals of Gerontology. At the beginning, over a thousand participants, all aged 70 years old or greater, were asked to complete a series of tests assessing memory, thinking speed, problem solving, and overall cognitive ability. Uh, for mm. those of you playing along at home, man, person, TV, woman, camera, you know, is this a rhino or a bear? The same kind of things that we were using to question presidential thinking, regardless of political affiliation back in the day. Sure. Then, until the age of 79, so from 70 to 79, each participant took the same series of tests every three years. So this is okay. a longitudinal study looking mm -hmm. at their cognitive ability over time. Right. Simultaneously, they were surveyed as to how often they played games like chess, bingo, crosswords, parcheesi, etc. And they specifically looked at ages 70, the beginning of the study, and 76, roughly halfway through. Okay, gotcha. Next, the research team used statistical analysis to look at the relationship between the game playing habits and maintenance of thinking skills. And they also had access for some of them to an intelligence test that the participants had taken when they were 11 years old. How are they getting mm -hmm. tests in 70 year olds from 11 years old? Well, the Scottish Mental Survey of 1947. Great name for a survey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just a national it's a national survey think of the kind of test that you may have taken in the u.s to study for gate or any standardized test to yeah. assess school ability um, i'll say that i it, it shouldn't be trusted as a well validated you know universal measure of intelligence no no but, not at all okay but hopefully it's a it's kind of a useful metric and i i believe josh in this case it was kind of a this was a a, a separate kind of secondary analysis it was just that, it was made available to the authors and included in the analysis they didn't base that, it but they just said look we have 
your thinking ability at 70. This is not an IQ test. We have your thinking ability at 70, your thinking ability at 76, at 79. And if we happen to have it on hand, what you were like as a child. So we can really look at, you know, were there any significant changes as you aged as well as with the games? And it turns out that they all, the ones who played games maintained crisper mentation for longer. And this is excluding factors such as education, exercise frequency, and socioeconomic status, all of which were used to balance out overall. Sure, sure. You want to try to basically make sure that all of those other factors are either equal or kind of accounted for. So they, you basically try to have the the mental status or you know your their cognitive ability as correlated with a single variable as possible so these are the statistical methods that we use and in the u.s a study from the american academy of neurology pretty much found the same thing older adults who regularly who regularly participate in card or board games reduce the risk of dementia. And these activities, even just a daily crossword or a weekly crossword, can help to delay the onset of Alzheimer's disease by as much as five years. Again, will not stop you from getting it if you are going to get your... But it can delay the onset or rapidity of symptoms by Mm -hmm. up to five years. Five more years of clear thinking is nothing to sneeze at. Especially near the end of your predicted lifespan, you know, when you're in your 70s and 80s. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. But I think my favorite one actually doesn't deal with the elderly population at all, Oh, okay. but uh, more for what we call cuffing season. Those of you who like to have romantic partners to help get you through the holidays uh, for good times, for bad, to snuggle with. And if you're looking to reconnect with your partner, a new study finds that uh, Baylor University found that couples who engage in board games together or collaborative art projects, and I want to go into that one in a moment, release higher levels of oxytocin, the hugging Mm -hmm. hormone. Okay, yeah. Um, (laughs) The love hormone, yeah. Yeah, it's associated with bonding. You see it, usually when we talk about oxytocin, it's in an obstetrics and gynecology context. Yeah, breastfeeding uh, specifically. Yeah. So it's associated with bonding, with family cohesiveness. And here's the really, I know we're talking about board games, but interestingly, researchers found just incidentally that men who paint, like when you do those wine and painting nights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or color me mine. That's a fun one. Men who paint release even greater amounts of the hormone out of all the groups and couples they studied. And the fact that male painters released far more of the hormone than couples playing board games, than uh, individual women doing any of these activities, surprised the researchers, as did the amount of oxytocin. Uh, They figured that the couples would interact more because they were communicating about games and strategies. And with more interaction, higher oxytocin would be released. Um, gotcha. In fact, those who took painting classes engaged in touching each other more often than those playing board games. Mm-hmm. And typically, art or cooking classes are not seen as interactive dates uh, with the partner, but it was turned into bonding time by 
putting an arm around the partner by saying good job. So in order to do this study, they got 20 couples with partners between the ages of 25 and 40, okay. randomly assigned to participate in one of two couple dates, game night or art class. Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, it doesn't say anything about the diversity of the couples. I don't know if they were LGBT, if they were heteronormative, just 20 couples. Um, okay, got it. The dates lasted an hour. One group mm-hmm. played board games in a home-like setting. The They didn't play with any other couples or individuals. It was just the two gnome. And, and the games were widely known or simple enough to not require the couples to read the game instructions. So there was probably a level of cultural familiarity. Okay, gotcha, um, gotcha. All right, so you you didn't have to go through the exercise of, okay, what do you do with the second black dice after you skip over the yellow stop sign and the spinner lands on a seven? Right. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing terribly complicated. No waiting for sheep or logs. No yelling about <laughs> park place. Just zing. <laughs> um, the other group enrolled in painting classes at a community art studio and participated in two groups of five couples, each painting just a simple beach scene. The okay. art instructor intentionally arranged the canvases in a way to reduce interaction between couples. So they really were trying to stack the deck. Okay. They then measured oxytocin levels with urine samples before and after each group activities. Hey, uh, we want you to pee in this cup now that you've painted. Um, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> well, it's one of the best ways to assay for these hormones because that's where they tend to concentrate. But yeah. They also used a six-item survey about the couple's familiarity with the activities and their communication, eye contact, and touch. Um, and all the findings showed it wasn't required. It just happened naturally. You know, finding those small, meaningful ways to interact when eating dinner together, going for a walk, doing things like that. So if you're looking to get a connection, bust out the board game, go to a wine and art class. Um, it'll help improve your thinking. It'll help stave off any cognitive decline as you age and it'll bring you closer to your couple. And that's, if that's not the spirit of Christmas, I don't know what is. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. I, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, the very last one that we'll do, I'll, I'll throw in a bonus because we always leave out milk and cookies for Santa or carrots for Rudolph. Um, (laughs) That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, if you had to guess, Santosh, do you think that gingerbread has any sort of health benefit? Because we build gingerbread houses, we, we eat do. gingerbread men. <laughs> I don't know if they would be offset inherently by the sugar. Uh, you know, it's a little, quite a bit of sugar in a good ginger cookie, but you know if you load it up with uh, quite a bit of ginger, I know that ginger itself has been associated. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, actually lowering blood sugar a little bit. Um, and then of course, anything with like, you know, if you add your cinnamon and your spices and you make it a little sharp, um, I always love that. I don't know if it's health benefit. Um, but other than that, you know, that one and a cup of hot cocoa will make you super, super happy for a little bit. 
Well, the complicated, the complicated answer is it depends partially on the gingerbread recipe. Older sure. recipes dating back to the 16 and 1700s had a wholly different sort of gingerbread than we use today. It was made with uh, ginger, wine, honey, um, okay. cinnamon, you know, highly expensive top shelf spices back in the day. And sure, it was sure. almost more like a cake or gooey. And it had yeah. all these different natural herbal sort of remedies uh, that made it more like like a fruitcake. Modern gingerbread has replaced a lot of that, and the spices have, of course, become much more commercially available, and it's more brisk. And then, yes, you're really looking at it's the ginger itself, not the, the bread cookie part of it. But okay. if we're looking at the medical benefits of ginger, a study was done that looked at about roughly 250 people with osteoarthritis, and the researchers gave them ginger capsules twice a day for six months, and they had a significantly greater reduction in pain than a control group. Uh, now, this was this this link between ginger and arthritis has been looked at multiple times, and usually we think of ginger as being used to settle your stomach, uh, more of an anti-nausea home remedy than a pain remedy. But okay. a 2015 review concluded that ginger was modestly effective and reasonably safe for those with osteoarthritis. And this oh, was nice. looking at an analysis of data from 593 people with those who use ginger, uh, you know, again, at less than four milligrams a day that I think six was the max, four was the upper limit of, of average. And they had a 30% greater reduction in arthritic pain than those who used a placebo. However, the ginger group was more than twice as likely as the placebo group to stop using the treatment or to develop side effects such as heartburn. Oh, okay. Okay, nice. Identifying the precise benefits, we know it has some anti-inflammatory properties, anti-nausea properties, um, but the exact dose and amount doesn't seem to be quite well studied yet. So yeah. whether it's ginger tea or capsules or lozenges, uh, the maximum recommended intake is four grams a day. And again, much less if you're experiencing effects like heartburn, indigestion. Um, it can interfere if you're on Coumadin. It can lead yes. to increased bleeding. Yes. Uh, and and that that has to do with the pathways in our body, the enzymes that we use in order to break these molecules down. And in severe rare cases, it can lead to some changes in heart rhythm and atrial fibrillation. Uh, right. So right now, the Arthritis Foundation suggests taking ginger as a powder or capsule, having no more than a maximum of two grams a day divided into three doses. Yeah. and and. I think this is beautiful because we we've we found an effect. Okay, that's the observational part. We have a hypothesis. We standardized it. Okay, so you have a all right. This is exactly what you want to try, and then you test it. Okay, now this is the important part. It's not that you've landed on something and oh, this is you know. This is how it works right now. Now you say, oh, now we have a way to, in a rigorous fashion, 
take out all of the other variables and everything and study this particular phenomenon. And Josh, you know, we might be right. We might be wrong. It may be that someone takes a step back after this study and says, oh, we used the wrong formulation of ginger or the wrong frequency or dose or whatever. But yeah. So all of these are keeping you home for the holidays, home remedies, things that you are not necessarily, your doctor may or may not be informed on, and we're not necessarily recommending that you do or don't do them. But I found it to be a variety of great studies on cookies, on trees, on (laughs) games, on pickles, and on a very unusual (laughs) use for sugar. So, (laughs) And it's, well... Uh, we we do have to ask Dr. Ward. Maybe it's more usual than we actually think. So that's it for this week. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, wherever you celebrate. If you have a Christmas tradition or a holiday tradition that we missed or you'd like us to investigate, go ahead and send it to us. We're still on Twitter for the moment. I will eventually get onto Mastodon. Uh, you can find us <laughs> at the Old Fogies Home on Facebook. Or by commenting on any of the posts. We are very reachable. We're just not great at media. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you know, at the thing we do. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We're working on it. We're working yeah. on it. <laughs> You'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially. Links to do that are in the show notes, as well as links for further reading and to some of the studies we talked about. For those of you who are supporting us on the Acast Plus, thank you so much. Uh, this week, we will throw up a medical theme song for you. It might be holiday themed, or it might just be a really good workout song uh, that you can jam to while you're working off those Christmas calories. Oh, um, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Please do have wonderful treats and make stuff for each other and everything. And then, you know, listen to our holiday music and dance it all off. This show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh, the Christmas elves and friends. <laughs> our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. And until next time, drink your tea, get your shots. <laughs> Yes. Gather together with friends and family. Celebrate the holidays. Get in the spirit of giving. Go out and do something nice for somebody unsolicited. Mm. And when you've done all those, you've earned it. Find a country that's open. Climb in your sleigh and uh, ho, 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 have some happy travels. (laughs) Happy travels, everybody. Take it easy. Have a good one, and we will see you next year, although there will probably still be a repeat up in next week. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're coming back, we promise. It's just <laughs> We're also all enjoying our holidays, too. Yeah. Until yeah. next time, as always, happy travels. Bye, everybody. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.